that song. I know! I actually really like the song! <laughs> I had never even heard it before. This might be like a different rendition of it, I'm not sure though. No, it's not. I actually found the song on her album. Huh. I've listened to it on Spotify many times now. <laughs> it's really good. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Talking During the Movie, the show where two jackoffs talk about new movies and movie news. I'm James. And I'm Mike. And this is episode 74, Mike Without a James. Though... But James is here. I am here. This isn't a, a guest hosting episode. So, it's just me, but it's Mike Without a James. So, just imagine that I'm that I'm not actually here. You know, like you normally do. Yeah, like you normally do, you know, because only one of your host's <laughs> opinions matter. Matter, and, yeah. Uh, and, what you know, so just, you know, do what you usually do. Ignore his recommendations. Listen to mine. And, uh... <laughs> well, and uh, you you can't trust me anyway, because I, I just hesitated so much at the start, because I couldn't, I couldn't remember if I had actually said hello, everyone, or if, like, two episodes ago, I just blurred those words together and said hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't start the last episode when I was uh, introing because I couldn't remember if we said welcome back or if that would be way too presumptuous. And I just assumed <laughs> the latter. So, you know, I uh, it's 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 a thankless, difficult job introducing a podcast, James. So I, I understand. It's why we it's why we alternate. Uh, yeah, because no one wants to do it. Take this is the fairest way. T- take a breather. So, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Um, but, uh, not, not, not as quite, we're not quite, uh, as much in need of a breather as the star of the film we're talking about today, uh, Logan. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I didn't know which, which star you were talking about. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, look, everyone in that movie is kind of in need of a breather. (laughs) (laughs) So we are talking about, uh, Logan, the new, newest movie in the X-Men series, although you probably wouldn't know it. And then we're doing a forgotten favorite segment. We and, and it's actually we're doing the forgotten favorite segment on the forgotten favorite segment. You know? Do you remember how great that was? Yes. Like that was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say this though, because you know we we made a commitment to uh, get back into doing those. Um, the only reason we're doing this one is by a complete fluke. Um, actually, it's really I mean it's because of you, James, but mm-hmm. because um. I put forward a movie. Because just really... of you. Uh, <laughs> are you, are you, uh, are you singing Drake? Is that Drake? No, I don't think that's Drake. I think I that's got, Kelly Clarkson. I, I got my eyes on you. No, I said because, because of you, I'll never oh, stray too far. Because of you, I'll never stray too far from the sidewalk. Yeah, it's Kelly Clarkson, man. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I thought you were singing, uh, uh, I thought, Kelly I Clarkson singing... featuring Dre, but still. <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever. Um, but I, I just put forward a movie at one point that I thought we should do uh, called Holy Motors. And then James texted me uh, sometime before this episode and asked me which film it was again. Uh, I said, Holy Motors. He said, great. And then before I knew it, he was like, okay, cool. So uh, as long as we got both Holy Motors and Logan in, we should be good to go. And I'm like, oh, oh all right. <laughs> so that's how we, uh, yeah, it, it just kind of, I, I put forward a movie title with the intention of doing it at some point in the future and james is like oh. yeah, 
We're doing it now. We're doing it now. And I, I really have absolutely no... Um, well, I did kind of con- contrive a connection to Logan. Um, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. <laughs> so, we'll see how that transition goes. Because it'll pretty much just be good for one single segue. And then <laughs> have to be tossed aside. So uh, It's, it's going to be funny if I hit that segue point like five minutes into Logan review. You're uh, like, all right, we're moving on. <laughs> you can't. No, I got it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so, uh, but Logan first, and then, uh, yeah, a little ditty called Holy Motors, which, um, you know, depending on uh, what types of film circles you run in, may or may not really be a forgotten favorite, but, um, you know, I, I feel like most mainstream movie audiences were a bit occupied with the Django Unchained and the, you know, Zero Dark Thirties of 2012, and this this little, this little gem might have flown under a lot of people's radars, so. It flew under my radar, that's for sure. Um, but first, what what kind of episode of Mike and James talk to you in the movies would it be without a little Star Wars talk? <laughs> and without uh, a shameless amount of Star Wars talk in relation to other talk, and that's that we're only going to talk about Star Wars, and we're not going to talk about any other movie news. <laughs> With virtually nothing to go off of either, right? Because virtually, virtually nothing. Um, new footage that we can see just a new footage that other people have seen and have reported on with contradicting testimonies <laughs> yes <laughs> so i read it on on film school rejects you know a site i've uh, i have contributed, contributed to. to i freelance for and the the headline said luke's first words to ray are dot 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 you know and i'm like okay you got my click. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the bait. <laughs> um, and yeah, I clicked it. On, I clicked it, and I saw that the words were, "Who are you?" And I thought that is fucking stupid. <laughs> it's really dumb. The 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 last movie ends with this brilliant, huge crescendo of music, a spinning camera uh, on a dramatic hillside of Ray. This this. Uh, you know this unassuming, you know, you know Jedi in training, uh, holding out Luke's former lightsaber to him. Uh, Luke giving her a at first an, uh, initially a, a looking taken aback, and then giving her a much more stern and confident look. And then the film ends, and then you're going to open the next one on that same scene. <laughs> and Luke's just going to look her straight in the eye and go, "Who are you?" <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> now, the this might not this might be all for naught because I heard a contradictory report that this "Who are you?" line uh, turn was during like a training montage type of thing, which w- in that case would be you know maybe sense. a tad banal, but a much more logical uh, thing to ask. You know, like who are you? Who are you trying to become? That sort of thing. Right, right, right. I that makes sense, at time. least. I have a hard time believing it's not that. Yeah, no, I... Whether or not I believe it's that, I hope it's that. <laughs> I definitely hope it's that. The thing is, like, here's the thing. Even if... Okay, so if he was asking her, who are you, at the very beginning, what good would that information even do him? <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm Ray. Oh, okay, yeah, Ray. Okay. Like, what are you doing here? Okay, what you know, like basically, her telling him what what she wants out of him. Okay, but like, 
I don't know. I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just reading into this too much. But <laughs> it's, it's like, I mean, f- fuck, we talked about this. Yoda never fucking asked Luke who he is. It contrasts very strongly with what Yoda did. I am wondering, why are you here? Uh, and, you know, basically te- testing him before they've even formally introduced each other. Like, that's, I don't know. I feel like that's the route they're going to go, particularly because this is a series that loves callbacks to the original trilogy. <laughs> So, I don't know. It's, yeah, well, uh, I mean, Luke is very clearly Yoda this time around. I I hope he doesn't ride around on Ray's back. <laughs> Luminous beings, are we? <laughs> Ray, carry me. I'll, 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 I'm trying. Try not. Do. Or do not. <laughs> which oh. i must admit i must admit i love that line but practically it is nonsense <laughs> you can absolutely try to do something and fail <laughs> i mean yeah that that happens so you should still, not you still tried you did not do but you still tried <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's 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 certainly not my favorite of Yoda's lines, but... It's, it's, I, here's the thing, I love the line, but it makes no sense. Well, that's really what, what holds it back for me. And But hey, it would be a far better line than, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> who are you? I mean, that's the thing, like, Yoda already knew who Luke was. Luke, being an yeah. all-powerful Force user, should already have at least a good idea of I who mean, Rey I is. I, I can't help but feel like... Um, Every bit of information that gets leaked about this movie, and not even leaked, even a lot of the, the uh, info that gets released, um, it's basically designed to stir up these conversations by being just ambiguous enough. You mean like The Last Jedi? Last Jedi. You're like, wait, is it plural? Is it plural? And or is it not I, it, plural? It is, because they released... Um, they released a uh, the uh, Spanish... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the pluralized version. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Those Jedi's finales or some something. Um, so they pluralized it. So I, I don't know. I mean, no, yeah, no. I, one, I just always said it was plural. I'm like, because there are two Jedi. I yeah, counted I them. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's fucking easy, okay? <laughs> and I mean, like... Could it have a double meaning? Sure, but, you know, it... You know, maybe they starts off being two Jedi and then there's one. I don't know. It's it's not a confirmation though. Um, and yeah, but you're you're right. They don't. They want. I mean, it's advertising. They want this buzz to I, be created. I wouldn't be su- surprised if they told the fucking reporters. I mean, it's 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 film school rejects, so it's probably not any you know kind of coordinated PR thing. But still, it's you know, I. Um, who's to even say that even if that person is accurate who's what's to even say that footage is going to end up in the final cut of the film so oh i know i'm wondering if this is like an i rebel line you know exactly with the i rebel line i almost feel like they they were proud of it and then they found out that everyone hated it and they go oh all right i guess we should get rid of it but then they also got rid of like boris whitaker's best line (laughs) what would you do if they break you yeah, and, man, it could that movie could have been so good because it would have just been if I'm if I'm thinking about it, 
so much better, I should say. I liked it. Um, but it, uh, it really could have been, uh, fuck, I forgot her name. <laughs> Jen Erso. It could have been Jen calling out, uh, Forrest Whitaker for, like, what he's doing, you know. And then, and then him countering back, basically saying, you haven't been through what I've been through. And what will happen when you do? Huh? Yeah. Um, like that actually could have been a good dynamic that she would have to deal with going forward. And then if she had to actually do something that pushed the, her moral boundaries in order to get do something for the greater good, it actually would have earned its its very somber, let's just sit down and die ending, you know, kind of like a relief. You know, and this is what I – if you if you end a movie – and this is actually – Maybe a perfect segue into Logan. <laughs> sure, yeah. But, but uh, if you you know if you give the character, I feel like Disney's logic was if you're going to end on the note uh, on the note that they did with the characters, um, that they then they couldn't really give them as much of an arc because <laughs> it would feel you know. I don't know. Maybe it, it, I mean, who's to say I, this probably isn't their actual thinking, but I feel like they, they pulled back on the actual character development because they knew what was going to end up happening and it would feel uh, all for not, you know, investing all this time into characters who uh, inevitably go by the wayside. And um, that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just about to say, like, that is total horseshit. <laughs> it, no, it was complete horseshit. And I feel like it shows their, discomfort whether or not this was intentional that's basically what happened and i feel like it shows their discomfort with this kind of grimness you know Mm -hmm. without not being able to actually deal with it properly and only being able to just kind of you know feature it as a talking point not as uh, yeah as something for people to mull over after the fact so um yeah it's so, yeah, we can't move into Logan. I just can't I believe just that the, the I just can't I can't believe that the line that we that we got instead or the dialogue exchange was you left me there. Oh, I had to <laughs> because of this. Uh, okay. It's like, okay, let's let's just verbally rehash our history together real quick. Like that's what we got instead. <laughs> I have this footage of your daddy. Uh, okay. <laughs> Oh, I miss Stardust. <laughs> and then the the God. Okay, look. Honestly, it, it would have been better if they actually gave Forrest Whitaker a character. Let's be honest here. I disagree with you all you want. That that was a nothing role. No, oh, no, that's fine. I mean, it, 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 I say that particularly for the way they end up disposing of him. <laughs> Just like uh, on, uh, save the rebellion. No, save I'm the tired. dream. I'm tired of running. I'm actually... Look, I'm out of breath. <laughs> You're what? I'm out of breath, man. And you just... You're going to stand up to that big explosion? Uh, I just need to... Hang on. Hang <laughs> gotta, on. One, one minute here. I'm trying to see on this thing. What? No, no, you go ahead. I'm all right. <laughs> like, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a good historical rel- co-relative that isn't horribly offensive. <laughs> but, like, Does a, a great rebel leader just going? He's like, uh, they're storming us. We have to retreat. I'm tired of running. <laughs> I mean, the only, 
No, no. Uh, let's just go out of Logan. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Logan, the X Men uh, movie. Yes. About, about X Men and X Daughter. Two of them. The last X. The, the last X Man. <laughs> man. Ma man. Oh man. Great start. Um. Yes, this is. So I've actually here's the thing I've only been uh, periodically checking into the X Men universe so I feel oh, like oh I saw Apocalypse <laughs> so uh, here's the thing though I feel like post Days of Future and also here's the thing Days of Future Past was a long it feels like a long time ago it was at least three years ago um, and wasn't it great it was awesome it was my favorite X Men movie it's probably my favorite and that came like right after First Class too which was really good. It did. Yeah, like they were in a they were in a heyday, man. They, they were, and honestly, I heard that Apocalypse was not that bad. That's a that's a lie. Lie, <laughs> okay. Whoever you heard that from is a liar. You need to remove them from your than, life. I heard that from more than one person. <laughs> like who said that critics were just being funny duddies? No, no, okay. I couldn't even think of a way to be funny duddy about that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, uh, but uh, here's the thing: though. ever since Days of Future Past. I, I feel like I've gotten mixed up on the timeline here because it, it united the the first class generation of X-Men with the uh, original flavor. And McAvoy or Stewart, I, these timelines is so confusing. <laughs> good, good on Deadpool. Uh, speaking of which, there's Deadpool trailer before this that basically served as like an opening cartoon. Oh, yeah. And I had I had read that that scene was after the movie or maybe or that there was the after scene come to find out that they moved that scene that was originally going to be the after scene to the start of the movie so yeah, i stayed until the house movie. lights came up and i felt like a fucking fool I, everyone did everyone in the theater that i was because i i sat too it's a superhero movie what you're gonna not wait and see but uh <laughs> yeah no there is nothing there's nothing after the, the credits everyone there's nothing after the credits do not wait you'll look like a fool and everyone will be angry you look like a fool don't you (laughs) you're just the afterbirth yes you do yes you do (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, uh, so yeah honestly though totally that was the right thing to do oh yeah oh yes come on i haven't seen the movie actually when the movie ended i was like what the fuck are they gonna do I'm like, I know, oh, the pebbles going to float they, here? I, if the pebbles float, I'm going to be really mad. I guarantee it. Oh, God. <laughs> if, here's the thing. I, uh, I think I was the only one in that theater just whispering to myself, please, just don't know my credit scene. Please, I don't want one. I don't want one. Just just, just be over. Yeah. <laughs> not, not that it was – okay, that, that comes off the wrong way. That is not because it was a bad movie. It Quite the, quite the opposite. Um, I, it was I, a terrible I loved movie. Lincoln, no. But – I, it's terrible. Um, I loved Logan, but I, uh, I I wanted it to end on the note that it did without ruining it with a, a jarring mid credit sequence. And they they went there. Um, Logan is, but but yeah, I I feel like I've gotten mixed up with the timelines. But I do think that this is just all that's really important with this one is that it just takes place way several years in the future from the days of future past later timeline yes uh, where uh basically it's it's really technically a, i mean it's it's it, it 
even a few years down the road from now, I think it's like 2020 something. 2029, I think they said. 29. Um, world looks pretty much the same, except a bit more barren and desolate. Uh, although it could just be the locations our main character, Logan, played by Hugh Jackman as always, um, to choose to <laughs> hang out in. Um, they recast him, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Um, it's Hugh Grant now. That's all I could get. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm terribly sorry, but... Uh, if you wouldn't mind, just, uh, just uh, standing in the way of my, my claws, please. <laughs> Sorry, Original. I'm, just, I'm, I'm just stealing this from Family Guy. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. Is that the young, upstart young chap who's touting the merits of the European Commonwealth? <laughs> I dare say that's the fellow. <laughs> um, uh, but it is... Um, yeah, so it is technically... Uh, technically it is the future um, but without really any indication that uh, that there's been much technical advancement all that's really happened is that the uh, remaining X-Men which uh, at the beginning of the film appeared to be pretty much three uh, <laughs> Hugh Jackman uh, 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 you know, Wolverine, Professor X who is uh, suffering from Alzheimer's or some sort of degenerative brain disease. Brain disease, yeah. And uh, Caliban, played by Steve Merchant, who I didn't actually pick up with Steve Merchant for way too long. No, I actually thought he was uh, Alan Tudyk. Really? Oh, I could see that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the guy who played KS2O. Yeah, yeah right. And the uh, pirate from Dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> Yark. <laughs> no, I actually thought it was him all, all, with all the makeup. But yeah, no, it was Joe's not Alan Tudyk. Joe's be the only place for Steve. <laughs> okay, you you want to you want a film that's going to be a classic in the future? Fucking dodgeball. <laughs> we're we're kicking around a a new segment where we it, it's kind of like an on the contrary, but it's like a super on the contrary because it's like, basically yeah. we're trying to figure out what's going to be the generation's shining or like Vertigo even like something that got like actually not good reviews and like actively <laughs> yeah. people actively did not like movies like vertigo or the shining until many years later where they're both considered a masterpiece so i'm like what's the masterpiece that we don't see you know i'm looking at like 2017 2016 i'm like what do you know right um i mean who knows people didn't like empire strikes back when it first came out maybe did, yeah. uh maybe uh maybe rogue one james maybe rogue one <laughs> It's funny. Uh, people probably laughed the same way at, when at suggestions yeah. about The Shining. I'm not even joking. Like I'm like maybe in like t- 15 years or something. Everyone will be just uh, Rogue One will be everyone's favorite installment. I don't, you know. It was it's funny. Uh, this was like 1979. You're like, well, maybe in 30 years, everyone's really gonna love The Shining. I would have been like, ha ha ha. Oh. Yeah. So you, we are kicking around that segment. It's still in the works because it's just really hard <laughs> yeah it is um it, it's basically going to be whenever we can find the movie <laughs> yeah and it, it would almost be good to go over movies that we don't like <laughs> yeah definitely um uh, uh but anywho it's um where was i <laughs> shit <clears throat> uh well i talked about alan tudyk oh it, so it was the third the, the third x-men you're saying there are three X-Men left. Oh, yes, three X-Men left. Um, yeah, yeah, the, him, him and Caliban. And, um, and most of Logan's days at this point are spent as a limo driver uh, 
slash chain drinker. That's not a, that's mm-hmm. not actually a term. Mm-hmm. Uh, chronic alcoholic who um, uh, periodically attends funerals for his berma- few remaining friends and uh, gets enough money to buy meds for Professor X. And uh, that's basically his whole existence. This film starts out in a very dour place. Um, but all that changes when uh, Professor X uh, comes into contact with a mysterious young girl named Laura. Wait, did you say all that changes to to suggest that the movie stops being dour? It's a good point. I I, <laughs> I, I, I meant to imply that he, that Wolverine's existence is no longer merely being a limo driver. Okay. And, <laughs> no, the it's all puppies and rainbows after that. <laughs> Laura comes along and everyone's singing and oh, it's a grand old time. And yeah, no, um. No, this is uh, definitely, t- totally, this is maybe the most extremely uh, extreme diversion from a typical superhero film that I've ever seen. Um, it, it actually takes a lot, and this is not my, uh, as, as most things that I say about movies, this is not an original observation from me. Um, fuck, <laughs> it came from the film itself, but it, it, it takes a lot more from westerns than it does from a traditional superhero movie. Um, and actually, for a good chunk of it, it becomes basically a, a road uh, a road movie a cross-country road movie yeah um yeah. so i have heard for, for the most part the reception this movie has been very positive and i am happily joining that chorus i actually mm-hmm. might be even a little louder than the average critic i i really thought logan was probably the most successful exercise in uh, subverting is maybe the wrong word but reframing the superhero myth and the superhero story into a different cinematic context. I think it, it really tried to do something. Uh, it, it takes superhero movies in a different way besides just what Deadpool did, which was basically just to sarcastically wink at everything while still being essentially a <laughs> superhero movie. Um, I am curious, James, how did this genre bending are definitely r-rated and uh you know i would hope so exploration of violence and loneliness and bitterness how did that work for you in the context of a superhero movie well uh, well first of all when I, I remember seeing the trailers thinking like this better fucking be r-rated if you can stab someone through the skull and well i mean well back that up if you sh- if you can show me a nipple and have it be r-rated but then stab someone through a skull and have it be PG-13? Fuck you. <laughs> so, you know the movie Amelie? And this is just a very brief aside. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. It's uh, So the movie is R-rated in America um, due to frequent ref- references and actually a few depictions of sex. Mm-hmm. Um, in yeah. France, it has the equivalent of a G rating. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That is how worlds apart we are from France in terms of our depiction of, of sex, which is not a complete. I mean, we shouldn't be that far apart, but we should be the one I think learning from France. <laughs> we should not be more accustomed to violence than to. Um, yeah. But hey, I mean, I don't, I don't agree with ratings in general, but uh, you know, our rating seems seems suitable. Uh, how did this work in terms of a a superhero film? It worked really well, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, the I did have an issue that I felt the the climax was probably the weakest part and that I it, agree, it did actually. it did fall into those con- those conventions you can sort of expect uh toward the toward the end. Though I will say 
that it was a lot less important than uh, you know it was a lot less important that Logan subverted that traditional superhero movie ending than it was for a movie like Deadpool which was set up as a subversion of <laughs> yeah yeah like I like to I like how you said it like this isn't necessarily a subversion this is just a reframing like it's they weren't trying yeah. to actively trying to either thumb their nose or simply do the opposite of superhero films necessarily well, they, were, they were trying to use these characters that had been established over the course of a whole franchise um and use them to explore different cinematic territory than any superhero film had before and it really works i it like i realize that this is kind of what uh, the superhero film i've been craving because as much as you know marvel is good as a consistent you know as a consistently entertaining machine of you know comic book fun it they are not in any any way trying to flex the boundaries of the medium or 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 take that genre into a different territory they're not really interesting in innovate interested in innovation and as much as dc is trying to convince us that it is it's not either it's it, <laughs> dc is basically a one note it, it, it's basically a, a one note breakup song extended over three movies so far <laughs> like it is <laughs> It's 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 horribly depressing. Um, Twentieth Century Fox is actually the only one who seems to actually be very interested in <clears throat> seeing what they can actually do with a superhero movie. And as much as Deadpool didn't work for me as well as it worked for a lot of other people, um, I still think that was a step in the right direction. It was a, it was a way to you know try to redefine, I guess, superhero movies in the context of a world that is. It basically becoming, you know, almost numb to superhero movies. We're so inundated with them, so they want us to see them in different ways. Um, and I and, also want to say that. Yeah. Sorry, we go on. No, no, no. That wasn't really much more. Just uh, that. So far, I'm on board because I think they've been doing interesting. They've been taking them in interesting directions. It, 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 in ways that just worked for me. So, not too you know, funny. I think a lot of people said that um, you know Deadpool sort of like kicked down the door for for R-rated films, for R-rated superhero films, and in in several ways that's true. But I really want to think that I really want to think. I, I I think that Logan is actually is the actual proof of concept. Yeah, because I feel like Deadpool easily could have been a blip. And just because, you know, it's Deadpool, you know, a lot right. of, it's he's the ultra violent, inappropriate guy who everyone like loves to watch. You know, he's he's got this sort of appeal to him. And so this is actually, though, like a violent, dour superhero movie that's not that's not doing so for the sake of it, you know. It's, and, it's and, not it's not. I mean, basically, the reason why this is R rated uh, is not just to be able to show more blood and guts, but to make you feel the ramifications of those blood and guts. Yes, and that's something that super, superhero. I mean, my favorite one of my favorite superhero films in in the last few years is Captain America: Civil War, because I yeah. felt that had the most like emotionally at stake, you know. And yeah, definitely, it, it it made the stakes feel a lot more intimate rather than just like 
they're going to blow up the world. There's not <laughs> some, there was a joke on uh, a message board for Logan and it was like, no, uh, no giant beam shooting up into the sky. No stars, <laughs> no stars. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's, I'm sick of seeing nameless drones who aren't real people being mowed down by the thousands <laughs> and and that being what is supposed to be the threats or the the thing that I feel yeah and it's uh, like as much personally as we, invested in defeating as, as much as we criticize the movie like like Suicide Squad for having those like rock monsters or whatever because right. God forbid they'd be killing people you know the Avengers fucking did that too so oh yeah it's true and I mean I'm pretty sure the Avengers have done the beam shooting into the sky plenty of times like it's I don't know. I am so much more interested. And, and I actually love the action scenes in Logan. I'm, I'm always one to tune out in a superhero film uh, during the action scenes, but they actually kept them in Logan, particularly the because f- there's three main action set pieces that basically indicate each of the three acts of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Or that, I guess, bookend each of the three acts. Yeah. Um, and every single time, they they filmed them in a way that wasn't overly chaotic. That was actually uh, utilized framing and blocking that, um, and interesting choreography. And I could follow them every single time. I, so I didn't feel put off or bored during the bits that are supposed to be the most action packed and exciting. Um, that said, I don't want that to imply that uh, I, I felt because I've heard a couple critics complain that the movie drags in the middle during the road trip bit um, yeah did you did you feel that way because i actually never had a problem with that no i mean look I, that was their their stay at the at the farm see yeah that's what people have had trouble with and i guess this is maybe you know, okay so oh go ahead well I'll i didn't, you go first i don't know that i i did have some some qualms with that scene more than anything else that's when i felt like i was watching a video game more than anything else. <laughs> oh, yeah, like a like a Last of Us cutscene or like something. Like a last not necessarily like a cutscene, but I mean, you go to the, you know, it, it, the Last of Us is very, you know, it's father-daughter road game more than anything else. So, sure. You know, and you go to you go to these places and then it's like, okay, now I'm going to help you with your thing and then we're going to have an encounter and you know, it's a, it felt very side questy. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I so I also the, the other main criticism I've heard of Logan so far has been that its exploration of violence. Uh, this isn't me changing the subject. I'm going to tie it into the the bit on the farm and tell you what yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah. Um, is that its exploration of violence is kind of half-hearted because and, and like the horror violence is kind of half-hearted because while you will get bits um, like for example the um, a scene in a casino where uh, Professor X is having a seizure while being attacked and basically freezes everyone in midair. And uh, Logan Wolverine has to basically fight his way through them very, very slowly. Just yeah, his claws through each of their faces, and he has to actually look at them and like feel the, you know. The I, I like that they didn't just they didn't fast forward through that basically. Right, you know, they, exactly. they made you watch every single one that exactly. he killed. It, it was not fun. It was brutal. Um, and it worked really well. Um, um, but that for the most part, it w- like, it wouldn't be scenes like that. It would be still him mowing down a bunch of henchmen that didn't, um, that didn't have names and weren't developed and that were just, you know, 
and that, that it was still essentially glorifying the violence that it was supposed to be detesting. Um, and one of the main, I guess, uh, citations for that, that I've seen the, the, the scenes that they've, uh, that the critics would reference, uh, is the scene on the farm, uh, toward the end. And uh, basically the, the sentiment was that what happens to this family who, uh, Professor X and Logan and, and Laura end up coming across and having dinner with and connecting with and bonding with um, what ends up befalling them should have hurt a lot more than it does. Um, and I guess this is just a testament to how easy I am to manipulate as an audience member, <laughs> but that really hurt me. <laughs> what happened to this family? I actually got very connected to them, and and was it out of step totally with the movie? Did is it? Does it feel like a side quest? Does it feel a bit like tacked on? Yes, but it it got me to not care about flow because <laughs> I actually did really connect with the like i don't know i felt the warmth of this family which is what professor x is trying to show logan like look actual human love and connection like this is what this is why we fight for people in the first place this is what's good and and, and i didn't feel like the movie was taking that half-heartedly i thought that it, it it treated those characters with dignity and respect and that mm -hmm. it hurt when th they were i mean they die i i they die yeah. so um, so here's my thing <laughs> With here's my thing with the scene, and yes, I totally understand what you're saying. I just I really wanted uh, Logan to say, "Yeah, I hear what you're saying, Professor X." That being said, uh, we're being hunted, and we're, we're we're actively endangering these people's lives by being here. <laughs> and so, and that's that's what I was thinking throughout. And I'm like, yeah. no, there's actually a very good reason. Uh, you know why the preservation of innocent right lives. Why you shouldn't be here right now? So you should leave. And uh, yeah. and what actually what I liked though was when they sort of did that. When they sort of like brought the the father back to help him out, basically to 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 bail Logan out of his like super mutant counterpart. Mm -hmm. Um, I was I was thinking like, man, I would just be really mad at Logan right now. And then I'm like. Wait, he was. Because <laughs> the, the last thing he does is try to shoot Logan. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, you know, and that that's the part that sort of like redeemed the scene for me because I was... I was sort of like because you get a sense of a man who's lost something, well, and a man who knows why he's lost something, who knows sure. it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. It's like uh, you yeah. fucking, you fucking brought this upon my family. Right. And yeah, they do have that moment. And uh, look, I've always said that necessarily logic, like you know, practical thinking and logic in a scene, uh, always end up taking a backseat to, I guess, a theme and tonal resonance. Yeah, and that's and fine. I I don't know. I think I liked this segment of the film a lot more than most people did. Um, I'll stand by that, but I also completely get the complaints. Yeah, I just... It, one thing I still don't like is that as soon as they got there, I knew that family was going to fucking die. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I pray. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's like I've... Every scene... I don't know. Again, it's another video game comparison. A lot of times when you're a video game protagonist, everyone you meet is going to die. Maybe it's because I don't... Maybe it's because I don't play video games so much that I... 
got more into it. I, I wasn't constantly thinking, oh, they're going to die. I wasn't, no, I was, I was they, constantly thinking they're going to die, and I'm like, why are you here? They're going to die because of you. Well, and, and thinking about it now, you should have, because, like, that is so obviously what is going like what is going to happen in retrospect. But to me, it wasn't obvious in that moment. So <laughs> this is not really me defending the movie. I think this is me coming to terms with how badly I am, how bad I am at reading scenes. <laughs> um, but fuck well, me. Well, yeah, and as I said, it it was sort of redeemed when when Logan actually had to see the consequences of what happened and see that people were upset at him. You know, it, it wasn't. It wasn't thank you, you know. There wasn't someone thanking the hero for doing. It. I mean, this is the exact kind of thing that that uh, DC tried to do, tries to do with Superman, and that uh, even even Marvel did, you know, with a little bit with with Captain America: Civil War, you know, going off, uh, going off, you know, you know those two scenes right at the beginning of Captain America: Civil War, one with Tony Stark and one with Captain America with Steve Rogers. Yeah, where they'll kind of go off into their respective plots. And they go off into their areas, and then they're each confronted by one person people. who is yeah. either upset or or happy with, for them. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, and this was a million times better than Tony Stark being confronted in the courthouse. A million oh. times, because it's like, okay, I've he he's looking him in the face, a man who is not happy that he was there to kill people, who was very upset at him, actually wanted mm-hmm. to kill him because of it. Right. So that's powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. And yeah, I mean, admittedly, it's not the strongest sequence in the movie. It bothered me a lot less than it bothered a lot of other critics. Um, I think I'm overstating, too, because this movie is getting very, very good reviews. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I like for me, it was it, it, there's no... I don't know. For me, I didn't feel any big blunders or missteps, even when they did occur. So the, I guess just to me, I was so caught up in the movie that it did a good job of hiding its own flaws in my eyes. So Oh, definitely. Uh, and I, as I said, that scene was redeemed for me. I'm still not really on board with the climax. Fair enough. I, I, fair enough. But I, OK, but there are great bits in that sequence. Like, for example, uh, and I'm hoping you didn't say that you, you aren't going to say this was too hammy or something. Um, Professor X's final monologue to Logan. No, no, that's great. Okay. The scene, just even the shot of Logan carrying Professor X up the stairs. Simple, just things you wouldn't normally see in a superhero movie that just rung so true and beautifully to me. And I don't even have a, I, I, I've, I don't have a family member suffering from Alzheimer's, but I could feel that, I could feel that connection between them when he was carrying him up the stairs. I could feel that, you know, the the unexpressed, you know, love that Logan has for that makes him sound romantic. Um, <laughs> the, the, you know what I mean, though the the familial love that Logan has for Professor X, um, without needing to articulate it directly, because he's Logan, he's grizzled, yeah. he's not going to. Um, so I don't know. I thought there were very beautiful bits in that, and maybe that's what made it go down smoother for me. Um, than for a lot of other people. Well, I mean, um, his last line being, tell me about the Sunseeker, right? Yeah. But that was great. That was great. And and um, that he's try that he actually, like, starts to tell him about it a little bit before, like, storming out. <laughs> right. Like that, ugh. It still, still um, sort of hurts. I, I also yeah. found it funny that they call it the Sunseeker. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that was, like, supposed to be the name of the type of boat or whatever, or the, the brand or whatever, but... It, it really felt like 
sort of like superhero wiki to me like this is this yeah. is sort of the sun seeker could totally be the name of like some ancient artifact that's gonna like save the day in another in, in a, another in superhero movie. movie it's like yeah. we need to find this and then we'll it's like no he literally just wants a boat that he could sail on the, the sunny ocean with that's, that's it. it he wants the <laughs> ending of the shawshank redemption yeah <laughs> uh i while we're on the topic of, I feel like that's a good way to segue into performances. Um, okay. This isn't okay. I I'm going to stand by this and I'm, I'm going to put it out there. Um, and I, I don't think that this is going to be a thing I'm going to regret by the end of the year. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Hugh Jackman deserves an Oscar nomination. Bum, bum, bum. He does. He fucking does. You've said it. Yeah. Said, I no, have, I mean, I have said it. He deserves an Oscar nomination for this role. I'm uh, look. I I can agree with you. I'm just I'm so I'm skeptical. Personally, personally, I'm so skeptical of. of I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm no, 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 no. And I'm not skeptical. Of, of course, I don't think it's going to happen. But yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm skeptical of assigning worth this early in the year. I know. I but... mean, a lot of people did that with. Um, John Goodman last year in Ten Cloverfield Lane. I did that uh, the year before with um, with uh, Nick uh, Nick Holt in in Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, and w- which I thought at the time was deserved, but that turned out to be just a very crowded year that had no room for him. So, uh, right. so yes, yes, I think his oh. performance is Oscar worthy. Uh-huh. Um, but whether or not he should get one remains to be seen. I just without there being a big cathartic moment for Logan. <laughs> what am I going to um, play on the Oscar reel? <laughs> I, I know. Like, I mean, like at the end, his big cathartic catharsis is just injecting himself with enough drugs to take down his opponent. Like, it's, <laughs> it's not like there's ever a scene where Logan entirely articulates every aspect about his character that you're supposed to infer from his face and his voice and his demeanor. Um, and I just, <laughs> It was about my encounter with this young girl is making me rethink my commitment issues. No! <laughs> Maybe love isn't so bad after all. <laughs> um, I, I, it was about halfway through the movie, and I just noticed, I'm like, oh my god. The amount of weight he is just carrying with his fucking face right now is unbelievable, and it just builds the entire film. It gets worse and worse, and it's not just makeup. He actually just looks... Just heavier and and more dismayed every scene. I I don't know. It really hit me about halfway through, but it. it he, I mean, he and never look, and this is this is how any actor would fucking dream of ending their involvement in a franchise. Oh, God. Like I mean, as, I, as I mean, I feel like like Robert Downey Jr got sort of like trapped into the role of Iron Man the same in, in the same way that that uh, Hugh Jackman got trapped in yeah. the the role of of Wolverine um so Robert Downey Jr as Iron Man isn't so far isn't really changing I guess they, that that that's no longer true with Civil War but for the most part it's basically been the same shtick the whole time um and Yeah no and then and it's, it seems like Robert Downey Jr. is tired of it because um, he has only so many movies left in his contract. That's why, he, and I think he, that's what, the only reason he's doing his his homecoming cameo is because that would that counts. 
Right, right. Like that so counts he, as a movie he, in his contract, right, so we can get that out of the way. Gonna let him out? Like, are they gonna do Iron? Are they gonna do Marvel movies about Iron Man? Like, I'm not sure that they're probably work. not gonna do Marvel movies about Iron Man, but um, no, without Iron Man, I mean. Oh. Like, I mean, is, are they gonna really have the Avengers where Tony Stark is not there? Well, that I mean, look, it's gonna happen. He doesn't want to play this role anymore. Fair enough. God knows I, he doesn't need the fucking money. And I can't blame him. Like, it's. Well, and I can't blame Hugh Jackman, you know, for for wanting out of Logan, and he almost, uh, apparently he almost quit after X Men Origins, which doesn't. I, who could blame him for anyone. that? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's great that he got to like end on this note where he got to give a performance that he actually that was well that actually matched the character. You know, he had a character there that he matched his his acting abilities. Um. I mean, it brought out new sides to that character that you never, I've never seen before. It, it actually, I, I don't know. I feel like, and I, I feel like Wolver- that's actually what is so advantageous with the X Men is that they're constantly in flux, both in terms of like who the, the literal actual heroes are, so it can keep on going after the main cast all, all leave. Um, but also in terms of where their characters stand, where they are as people, where they are in relation to one another. Um, and that makes it, I don't know, that makes it a more, a, kind of more of a playground, I guess, as mm-hmm. a, as, as a superhero, uh, as a superhero world. And also it, it's funny because X-Men is essentially one property by Marvel. Um, but by having that 20th century Fox basically owns their own cinematic universe now. Oh yeah. I mean, of course. <laughs> and, and I, Right, but and, and that's always been true. But now that cinematic universes are a thing, it's, it's okay that they don't. That that's all they have, pretty much. They they can work with that. <laughs> I mean, um, it's going to be funny to see what they work with because you know it's they're not they're not going to have uh, uh, Patrick Stewart. They're not no, going to have. Uh, uh, here's the thing: is so uh, is the next X Men movie just going to be a bunch of kids? Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. Are they just I, going to continue to do the past timeline where they have Michael Fassbender and uh, uh, shit? Oh, James McAvoy. Uh, oh, does. James McAvoy. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Fassbender and James the, McAvoy. The Beast. The yeah, they have they have Nick Holt as the Beast. You know, they they have I like actually, plenty I of young people. To the split there. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I guess I, I guess. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> The Beast, the being beast. both an X Men and the character in <laughs> the Rejoice! Rejoice! <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Best shitty movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, so, just to wrap it up here, the the um, what ends up happening with the uh, and, and I'm only explaining this part of the plot because a we're I think we're well to spoiler territory at this point yeah and uh i i recommend it very highly if if anyone doesn't want to listen to this last part um i i, I would actually say it's i don't know it it's one of my favorite superhero movies ever i think i uh i don't really feel any qualms about saying that no me either. It, it's it did new things with the genre that i hadn't seen before and i i hope it's kind of a uh i, I don't know I, I hope it is i hope its success gives filmmakers and studios in charge of superhero films in the future uh the confidence to 
branch out a bit more and try different. What about a film noir uh, superhero movie? What about <laughs> I don't know. Just just bend the genre a bit more. I I think it's a I think it's a neat uh, neat approach. Well, and I, th- I think the approach is is highlighted by. Th- how intimate and emotional they were able to make the movie they didn't there's no i'm not viewing it with any distance you know i'm 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 right in there with them because it's it's small there's there's only a few characters imagine fucking that there's only like two superheroes in this whole fucking movie um so i get a lot more time with them and that they that the action was really raw and you know they it was painstaking the way they brought you through every step especially in scenes like what we mentioned in the casino i'm able to relate to it a lot more and it feels a lot more powerful as i said i'm not i'm not viewing it from a distance a bunch of people you know a bunch of ultimate ultimately powerful people kill nameless thugs or machines I mean, shit. Even Professor X, when he's walking out of the, the one, one, a bunch of little lines got me in this movie. Like they, they, when they were leaving the casino, and he sees everyone basically still reeling and coming, you know, basically recovering from the freeze that he had put on everyone. And he, as he's just passing by, he just goes, "I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm terribly sorry." Like he's just like feels yeah. terrible, and you could tell from his i'm delivering it in a horrible way but he he really sold me you can tell it. from mike's performance that uh, yes yes of course that it was um, terrible there's a line uh, at the beginning of the film when uh uh he uh, you know logan comes in and he after he injects the professor he's you know calls him by his name logan and uh uh wolverine just goes oh you you recognize me he's like i always or he's like you know me and he's like i always know you logan sometimes i just don't recognize you just I don't know, powerful little just yeah no it's it's a like surprisingly really well written movie on many occasions so and actually one of my favorite lines maybe my favorite line in the whole film toward the end of the uh, uh, between Logan and Laura when uh, actually I think it's his last words to her he just says don't be what they made it, well ugh, fuck and I don't even remember it properly it's don't be what they made you or something yeah no like. I think that's what he says. Yeah, um, beautiful. Um, I particularly want to talk about how this film wraps up because despite the action scene itself, I don't even think it was bad. I think it was just probably the least interesting of the three main action set pieces in the movie. Um, well, yeah, I mean, when it comes I, down to it, it's a bunch of people fighting in the woods. Fighting in the woods, yeah. And then it does get into sort of like superhero like schlockiness well, with all the... Like the kids crowding around the one. Yeah, and I'm just like, man, these kids are really powerful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it's almost just like, why aren't they using this song? Yeah, it sort of draws an undue attention to the fact that, you know, these kids could probably do fine in a straight-up fight. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It didn't really make sense why it was a a struggle. But the Wolverine-on-Wolverine fight worked great. Um, It was brutal in all the right ways. Um uh, but but the way that they're wrapping up the movie, basically, uh, in the last stretch, Logan is trying to get Laura. Uh, well, for most of the film, they're trying to get to this place called Eden, which Logan doesn't which, think exists. Well, he finds out that it's from a comic book. Yes. Um, and what I like is that they basically, I mean, as far as we know, Logan's right. <laughs> oh really? I thought I thought. I thought he well, wasn't. Well, 
we never see Eden. We never see it, but I mean, there is that thing where the kids talking on the radio do okay, presumably right. someone at Eden, and they say, even say like your asylum's been granted, you know, and, and that oh, the okay, and that the right. the people chasing them even say, you know, we we got to stop them before they get to the border. Like they clearly know they they get to this certain spot and it's over for them. I I feel like there is okay. I feel like there's some doubt though. I guess as to what this place quote-unquote Eden is, because there's never that... I don't know, I like that we never really see the kids oh, get yeah. saved. Like, the, the, this film ends with Logan, uh, you know, losing his life, and they give him a... It's almost, it's, it's almost a, sh- a single shot, a funeral shot of, <laughs> of uh, you know, his, you know, his grave next to this beautiful little inlet and um it, it just gorgeously framed uh, all the kids head off laura takes the cross and turns into an x which corny it, 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 i i corny call it corny all you want i fucking loved it no i, um, I liked it too but I, 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 part of me was like that just seems blasphemous <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, I, like the the one devout Christian in the theater go. Well, I was okay with this movie until now, but this is too much. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just this really sad moment. And I'm like, okay, cut here, end here, end here, please. And I, I I didn't think it was going to, and it did. It cut right then, and I thought I thought it ended at the perfect spot. Um, it leaves the kid's story just open enough where. There's not, you know, I, I don't know. I kind of expected almost like a midnight special thing where, like, you actually see this amazing place <laughs> that they've been aspiring to the and whole time. And then Michael Shannon's eyes glow. Uh, and it's just, what does it, it mean? Yeah. But it just ended on the entirely wrong note. And I, I liked that they just, you know, gave, I don't know, they, they let you sit with the emotional weight for a while. They didn't give you the levity that would have made it go down easier. Um, they, they trusted that the audience would be able to sit with that and think about it for a little while afterward and uh or i guess just process it you know it's it's not that it's complex it's just it's it's raw it's not the conventional note that a superhero film ends on uh and it worked great and that that was another reason why i was very happy they didn't end up doing a mid-credit sequence because to me that would have just that would have definitely been a ding in the film's Totally. Yeah, they they showed a lot of restraint um, yes. with with how they with how they ended it. As I said, I think it became conventional maybe one too many times for my liking. And specifically, the the sequence that sticks out for me is with the gun and the adamantium bullet. I think they cut back to the gun about four times oh, before he actually was- before she actually shoots him. So when it when it when they first cut to him, I'm like, oh, she's gonna shoot him with the adamantium bullet. And then they cut it to again. I'm like. She's gonna shoot him with the adamantium bullet. They cut it to him again. I'm like, she's gonna okay, shoot him. Shoot, shoot him with the adamantium bullet. And then they cut it the fourth time. I'm like, yeah, just shoot him. Yeah, shoot, shoot him. Uh, yeah. And then they finally do. I'm like, come on, just. Chekhov's gun. Like, are, are you really worried that I didn't get it by that point? <laughs> Fair enough. I'm not gonna defend that. That was a bit much. Um... <laughs> Guys, I don't know if you've been to drama school, but they teach you about this really neat thing. Chekhov's gun! <laughs> Chekhov's like, you see the gun, it's gonna go off! Chekhov's adamantium bullet. Yeah, yeah. And Look, they'd establish that she, like, took it from him, so I'm like, oh, she has the bullet. Man, this Look, is gonna I, be great. This, this is one thing that I'm not sure Mad Max will ever be topped at, is, like, 
basically it understood that you really need to show something three times in a movie. Yeah, it's a rule of three, man. It's a whole movie uh, in order for it to be effective reincorporation. Uh, the you know the the introduction, the reminder, and then the execution. Um, and it that, that that's all you need. Mad Max pulled it off perfectly over the span of two hours. Yes, <laughs> uh, it, would give, it would give you just those three bits, and it worked beautifully. This was not quite as confident in that fair. Yeah, I wish it had been. Um, but eh, oh well, it's uh, you know it it. it was still poignant. Yeah, no, and as I said, I like the I like the end sequence overall. Maybe not in comparison to the other sequences throughout the movie, um, mm-hmm. which I think were were pulled off better. But that's just because it didn't live up to itself. You know, it's sort of like strange criteria to evaluate the movie on. But and overall, strongly recommend it. Um, we we should show consequences to violence. Just saying. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yes, yes, we should. Um, and, and I think that this movie succeeded in that. Uh, I heard a couple critics say it didn't. I I don't know. I, I think that they had the same reaction to this that I had to Deadpool, and I appreciated that Logan took its violence more seriously. Um, and when, as I said, unlike unlike Deadpool, like while sorry, while Logan falls into conventions a few too many times it wasn't it didn't set itself up as anti-conventional yes so like deadpool deadpool fell into convention and it was supposed to be anti-conventional yeah uh yes sorry please go see logan uh yeah phenomenal superhero film one of my favorites since the dark knights um honestly probably only rivaled by like my favorite one or two marvel movies if even those like yeah i don't know hard to say maybe you know pretty much civil war (laughs) that's (laughs) guardians of the galaxy maybe maybe i I don't know guardians is guardians is the perfect like vehicle of what marvel tries to do on a it's a perfect representation of what marvel is trying to do in general um so it's it's yeah if yeah that basically be the movie that sums up marvel and the, the appeals of marvel in a nutshell for me um <laughs> i'm not sure if those would be just too insubstantive compared to logan i don't know it's it, i guess it would depend on on my mood but um yeah yeah i don't know I, i'm sorry I, I i'm just trying to express the scope of of my appreciation for logan i i do think it's like uh, I'm, I'm just all, still waiting. Superhero film. I'm just still waiting for your like your your big caper here, your big sweeping transition from, oh, from Logan okay. to Holy Motors. Speaking of commenting on and subverting film genres, ah, uh, that's very flimsy because okay, oh, it's flimsy because Holy Motors you got like, is, some you know tinfoil transition going on here but that's okay isn't really a subversion of film genres it's a it's an exploration of film itself um particularly how we consume film in and if you've just heard that description and said well this is pretentious then you know what you can pause and go on to the next episode or a previous one no fuck off go see it it is okay look 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 
we talk enough on this show about uh, being annoyed at critics calling the time of death on cinema, right? Yes, we've, uh, I think, devoted three or four segments to that. Devoted, oh, man, I would have expected it's maybe a dozen by now. Um, so here's the thing. I, while I totally disagree that, uh, you know, cinema is, is dying, um, you cannot deny that it's changing. And if your definition of cinema is firmly planted in the 60s idea of cinema, then yes, you could very well feel like cinema is dying. Um, Holy Motors is, to me, the story of a filmmaker coming to terms with the modern structure of movies and just visual entertainment in general. Um, so Holy Motors is directed by Leos Carricks, who before this hadn't directed any film since uh, 1999. So, and this came out in 2012. So he'd been, you know, dormant for about 13 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, you could tell that in that time, uh, Hey, wait, when did, he, when did, when did the newest Godzilla come out? The newest, like the newest, oh, that must've been 2014. Like the American Godzilla is. Yeah. Yeah. It was 2014. Damn it. <laughs> Cause the last one was 1999. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, and you could tell that a lot has changed in terms of the film landscape since 1999 and Carrick's understands this. Uh, so to uh, basically express the, uh, fragmentation and, uh, you know, surreality and disorientation of this modern film landscape, he employs his, uh, favorite, uh, his favorite collaborator, and actor, um, uh, oh my God, Denis Levant. <laughs> yeah, thank you, uh, De, uh, Denis Levant, to uh, who plays, whose main role in Holy Motors is that of Michel Oscar, who is driven around uh, by his assistant driver Celine to various appointments throughout Paris during the course of a day. Uh, at which he assumes various roles and basically uh, has parts in small mini films that aren't, to our knowledge, necessarily being filmed by anybody. Um, you're, you're not except, sure for a, a long time what his relation with the people he's working with is or, yeah. or interacting with. You don't know how many people are say in on it if there's really an audience you know um, and i mean really you never end up seeing them but you're reassured that you know it, it it's basically an act of faith um it, it is it, that the cameras are actually there and that people are watching <laughs> which is expressed that sense of it's expressed in a little scene that uh levant has in his limo with michelle piccoli who plays a uh Basically, a higher up at this. Uh, I mean, if you didn't, if you didn't get what the movie was going for before that scene, you do after that scene. <laughs> if you, if you just Google, I feel like if you just Google movie producer, you'll get an image that looks a lot like that man in the limo <laughs> with the uh, 
uh, this birthmark on a, across his face. Well, maybe not with the birthmark, uh, but, but I mean, an older the, guy, okay. in a, older balding guy in a suit with like these dark, you know, yellowish shades. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it's he. Basically, if in the you know at first it's as simple as you see a you know a businessman leaving his house, saying goodbye to his wife and kids, and driving down the road. Then you know they and you know talks to his you know assistant about appointments during the day, which seems fairly standard. You have um, nine appointments the, today, yeah. Then he then he pulls out a wig, and the next you know the, then his limo pulls out, off to the side of the road, and he emerges as an old beggar woman, and you're not really sure what's going on or what the context of this is. No. I mean, does he do this for fun? Is this some sort of experiment? You have no idea. I had no idea. Uh, And it was great too, because we're we're giving away a lot and I'm sad about that because this movie is best experienced completely organically, which is Mike told me, watch this movie. The only thing I knew about it was the first line on Google, which was that say there was a a French fantasy drama. (laughs) Yep. And that's it. I mean, that's it, right? That's a perfect, perfectly apt description of of Holy Motors. It is definitely French. It's absolutely French. <laughs> it's it's embedded in French cinema. It's it, it it has a bunch of callbacks. Some many of which I don't even I didn't pick up on, or I and I still haven't picked up on. Um, some I had to be, you know, had to be uh, told about explicitly, like uh, Celine's bit at the end where she puts on a mask that represents her, uh, which to me didn't make any sense except, uh, you know, as if to imply that, you know, everyone in the society is just basically putting on masks at different points. We so- all wear masks, metaphorically speaking. Oh, brilliant. But also it's a callback to her role uh, in the cl- in the horror film uh eyes without a face um but it uses french cinematic history to uh explore what is basically becoming of the way people experience movies so you get things you'll get things in fragments you'll get things without you you get little uh, bits of story without context you'll get moments but you won't have a a complete cohesive narrative um even when you think you have the parameters of this world down pat you understand okay so even if i can't see the cameras so he's essentially an actor going place to place um and assuming different roles um and we just understand that in each one of these uh, "Quote unquote assignments." He is an actor in some unseen film, uh, which I, I, you know, really after the fact. If you want to get very, you know, meta about it, he is being filmed. We're watching the film. Um, <laughs> well, and I really think that's what it's going for, because I mean, it's yeah, it's and it's well, and it's using the language of cinema. It's doing. Uh, I, I, w- w- the the reason I bring that up is you think you have a grasp on this world, and then something will happen. Like for example, he'll be uh, his next assignment will be uh, to uh, be a, a gangster and kill somebody. Um, and you get a peek at the file, and it looks like his victim his victim looks exactly like he does with a different haircut. Uh-huh. And at first I thought I was just seeing it. I'm like, is that okay? That's strange. Like that looked a lot like him, but it's probably it must be a different guy. Um, 
and uh, he approaches this man who he's you know assuming the role of the uh, murderer and he approaches this man and it is him it's uh denis levant playing a different character and literally in two places at once and so his and then he gets stabbed one self stabs the other self and then as he is basically trying to be his chiv in the man and making him look exactly like he does. Then that man comes to stabs him. They're both in the exact same spot. They're both looking identical, both dying on the floor in the exact same way. Cut to Denis Levant staggering back to the limo. Um, still, you know, reeling over in pain. And then he's back in the limo and he's fine. Yeah. Um, he's totally, he's wiping himself up. Like he, he's right. not going to a hospital right. or anything like that, and I think right after that he gets shot like several times. Oh, many, many times again, attacking someone who is identical to him. Um, yes, yeah. And actually, it is, I believe, the same character. The person who he attacks is the same character that he is assuming at the beginning of at the, the beginning. Movie. Yeah, it looked right. very similar, and he had the bodyguards and everything. Right. Um. So every time you try to get a sense of you know of uh, what is literally happening happening in this world uh the movie frustrates you and throws you for a loop well uh, very deliberately mo- uh, most most of all i would say is when he's playing the role of a dying uncle and then that person the person with him his niece i believe that would be the case right I'm not. I'm not mixing uh, up the yeah, details. Yeah, it was no. It was his niece. She kept. Talking. It was supposed to be his niece, and he was the dying uncle. And after after he gives this this monologue and like dies, he he gets up and is like, "I'm I'm sorry. I have to go. I have another appointment." And then she says, "Yes, I have another appointment too." At that point, I'm like, "What the fuck? What? The what? Fu- who is this for? What? I know. Yeah, right. Who is this for? Who is watching?" Um, I think that's why it's um, I think that's why the title partly is, uh, you know, kind of religious in its nature. Holy, Mm -hmm. holy motors, essentially them continuing to assume these roles and take these appointments, even when no film crew, no apparatus of of recording is visible and no audience is visible. Well, Um, yeah, I was just about to bring up the audience because that's the first thing you see in this movie is an audience who doesn't appear to be there so to speak i mean the the opening shot of this film is a theater of people um which uh you know uh, depending on your interpretation are either asleep or dead and Uh, i'm warming up to the dead a lot more because it just strikes me they don't move at all like they they don't appear to be breathing or shifting like there's no head bobbing their eyes are closed and they're just still staring at a screen also, this is a world of desolate. Like, this is a... Uh, th- this particular film is... It, it, it seems to... Particularly the sequence with Kylie Minogue, where they both enter the, uh, you know, the, the now luxury hotel. Um, it's a ruin. And there's, you know, scattered mannequin parts all over the place. And, you know, it it gives the sense of, of a, you know, a once great establishment hmm. or once great in the case of film and industry that you're getting uh, metaphorical here oh yeah just a bit um <laughs> uh, here's the thing though what i love about that sequence is that while yes it is meta commentary and at the same time you know 
could easily be considered a, a role in and of its like it, it's unclear whether that is a one of his appointments or whether he is actually reconnecting with an old flame um i i assumed it was the latter but i hadn't there were interpretations of both mm-hmm. um particularly because they break into a musical uh, yeah a musical bit <laughs> there's a musical bit um and what i like about it though is that doesn't detract the fact that that might just be another uh, appointment doesn't for me as a viewer take away the sincerity of it it is still a beautiful scene about these people reconnecting who haven't seen each other in years and who will probably never see each other again. Um, well, especially if a more literal interpretation of what happens next yes, next is correct. But who knows if it is? Like it's I oh, man, that we talked about this in the pre-show though. That that scream he gives is just oh, Right. But that's like that I, feels like he's breaking down all artifice that we've been seeing, and that's why it's so jarring because everything you've seen up until that point seems artificial to one well, degree or another, to uh, and and on one level of blatant and uh, and another, everything you've seen is probably not happening to the degree in which it's being presented, right. and then the person who's been reconnecting with who is on a role who is in an appointment where she is playing a, a flight attendant who is living her last night she jumps off the building that they were just on and he goes down and sees her on the road you know mm-hmm. not moving blood everywhere mm-hmm. and then you sort of expect him to just as you said in the pre-show just expect him to just like walk past like nothing is out of the ordinary instead he stands there for like half a second gives out this oddly Rawly emotional scream and just runs back into the limousine. Uh, I bet I'm gonna remember that. I will always remember that. I bet you didn't think that I would reference Hell Caesar at all in this review. No, Um, I didn't. (laughs) But I will say though, I had a similar sensation watching that. Where, um, you know, even uh, even if what I'm watching is quote unquote a fabrication, even within the world of the movie, um, that doesn't take away from its power or its. or, or occasionally just literally it's it's a uh, sense of spectacle like mm-hmm. uh, you know for example there's a scene where uh, uh, possibly my favorite scene in the whole movie where he uh, uh denis levant is performing a really intensive uh action scene in stop motion uh in a stop motion get up uh, um, motion capture wow I can't believe I made that mistake. Thank you. Yeah, he's in a motion capture capture suit and, uh, you know, doing all manner of crazy, you know, flips and just exhibiting an insane physicality that is not only, like, just impressive physically, but amazing to watch just as a visual, just the movement of a body. Um and that in and of itself is, I think, what Leo's Carrick's is trying to get at. He, like, I, I think the literal, the, like, uh, Richard Linklater has a bit in Waking Life where uh, the characters talk about um, Bazin, Andre Bazin, pardon me for getting all theoretical here, um, but they talk about Andre Bazin's theory that uh, film is basically you know, capturing holy moments where like, you know, you know, capturing God present in everything. Andre was very, Andre Bazin was very, a very Christian, uh, film theorist. Um, 
and that you know film is basically an accumulation of holy moments and that's kind of what holy motors feels like to me trying to capture the either the the physical or emotional beauty of disparate disjointed scenes um or even just some sort of intrigue of these scenes uh detached from story or plot or cohesion because that's basically how we experience visual entertainment now um and uh, you know there's fuck there's an amazing uh seg uh uh you know middle segment that's basically the interlude interlude, where they're just (laughs) performing accordion throughout a church they're just it's just him walking through a uh, denis levant walking through a church uh, accompanied by an entire accordion band. Just as a uh, just quick point back, are those actually accordions? I'm sorry? Uh, I thought they were. Yeah, I just, I can't remember if an accordion I with might... keys is different than a not accordion. Oh, yeah, I can't even remember the name for that now, but you're right, I think it is. Um, regardless. Regardless, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, it is a phenomenal sequence for no real logical reason. Um, it's just a cool cinematic idea. And that's kind of what, I don't know, t- to me, that's what Holy Motors perfectly, I guess, you know, it, it, it perfectly expresses about the way we experience film in the modern post YouTube, post internet age. Um, and I think it's pretty clear that Carrick's is not entirely comfortable with this, but it's also not a cynical, like, you know the movies are dead takedown of modern film it's no, kind of a he has kind of a, a more careful film. hand than to indict the audience in a way say like birdman definitely. does definitely and i think that's why holy motors i wanted to highlight it because it is so impressive to me in that regard it is it is i guess it's sad without being cynical if that makes sense you know well, it's, yeah it's, yeah and then a yeah. lot of people brought a lot of people who really like Birdman brought up uh, Federico Fellini's Eight and a Half as a comparison. Yes. Yeah, and, but doesn't Eight and a Half have so much more to do with this? I don't like I, I, Eight and a Half does, and what they both what they both share in common, at least is my understanding. I I haven't seen Eight and a Half, although I feel like I have now. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. it's it's my understanding that they do take a this much more careful, much less cynical approach, whereas someone like Inuritu can only think to deify his own point of view while thumbing his nose at others right like is this yeah this is basically what i wanted from birdman um not necessarily in the it didn't have to come into this format but this is the the sensibility this is the sentiment (laughs) yeah this is the attitude i wanted it to have about modern film instead of you know it's it's not fun i'm sick of of seeing people uh or, or i guess seeing you know the old uh, you know the, the old movie masters complain about superhero movies, about franchise filmmaking, about uh, you know CGI, and not understand that fundamentally it's no different from you know what westerns were back in the old days when you know I mean those were those were the trashy genres that they just pumped out to make money or yeah like alfred hitchcock's like pulpy noir noir stuff that go yeah occasionally they would occasionally they would stumble onto a masterpiece but these were fundamentally you know these were endeavors to make money um special effects back then were not cgi because they didn't have that available to them they used they you can use practical effects just as poorly as you can use cgi it's all just a matter of change and i feel like leo's carrick's while yes he is melancholy about this this film culture that he 
made his name in and that he uh, grew, I mean, he came to prominence in uh, disappearing, he approaches it with, I guess, with the sense of, you know, uh, understanding and with a, a reservation that I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. So, yes, uh, yeah, I think Holy Motors is one of the best films that's come out in the 2010s so far. Um, I think it's probably one of the best commentaries on cinema in the modern age. And yeah, I, I probably ruined it for everyone by talking about it if you hadn't already seen it, but check it out. Yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, I'm really impressed and really excited that this is what I really love about these Forgotten Favorite segments that we get to, you know, illuminate movies like this. And it didn't turn into any sort of like on the contrary with me saying it was bad. I mean, like Jamesy likes it, guys. Like Mike put forth a some obscure French bullshit and Jamesy likes it. Good. I'm glad Jamesy likes it. <laughs> I, I knew that there was a strong possibility you would hate it. Um, I it, It's kind of hard to tell, uh, but... Uh, it's kind of hard to tell, but uh, a lot of like this is a film that has really spoken to like big cinephiles since it came out. Um, mm-hmm. I know like the, the people who recommended it to me were like it was their favorite movie of that year. They were just absolutely nuts about it, and uh, so yeah, I that's what kind of got me to seek it out in the first place. So I'm happy you had a similar experience. Um, and yeah, everyone, please check this this crazy fucking movie out. You'll oh, definitely. I mean, and I, can, I can understand you're thinking that I wouldn't like it. I mean, it's I wouldn't say that this is a movie that's for everyone. It doesn't really no, mesh with everyone... their sensibilities too well. Like, Kim came in toward the end, and she's like, oh, what you watching? I'm like, Holy Motors. You wouldn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, Kelsey would not like Holy Motors either. Um, I, I watched this alone. Um, <laughs> But I, yeah, it was entrancing and, um, yeah, and it's fine if you don't like it, but uh, here's the thing, not everyone will like it, but I think everyone should watch it. Oh yeah, no, that's, that's good. And yeah, they're really like fun and bizarre moments. I I think I've read someone just describe it as like barking mad, you know? (laughs) It definitely, it definitely is. But there is a, while this is madness, there is method in it. Yes. Ha, there's method acting in it too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Speaking of method acting, <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so I think that that was that. Um, we're both we're both itching to get out of here because we got places to be at noon, and it's like eleven thirty-five right now. A uh, little more knowledge than you probably needed, dear listeners. Don't, but, yeah, don't you love that you kind of like a sneak peek into the private lives of your co-hosts of, of two jackoffs? <laughs> like, oh, what are they doing? Well, shouldn't that be obvious? No. <laughs> um, we're gonna do more of these forgotten favorite segments in Honestly, the future. Let's just do one a week. Yeah, no, I think we should. Um, didn't care about this one having anything to do with the movie we're reviewing, and honestly, it worked out fine. So yeah, it worked out totally fine. I think next week we should do Ninety Nine Homes. Yes, that sounds great. I'd love to do that. Is that on a uh, Prime? Still? I think it was, but I'm not sure it is anymore. All right. So. Well, I mean, if it's not, I can, I don't mind renting it for a few bucks. It sounds well worth it. So yeah, I'm yeah. excited. Check it out. And I think for as far as reviews are going, um, are we doing Beauty? No, wait. There's no, Tom no, no. Skull Island out this weekend, which Tom I want to see. Um, there's Tom's also I, I also have the opportunity to see I Am Not Your Negro. I don't know if you do. Oh, oh I, I have it. I haven't seen it, but I have the opportunity to. So if we want to do that instead. Um, I'm down, but it's yeah, yeah, 
we could totally do I Am Not Your Negro. And then let's do a Forgotten Favorite on 13th, you know? Just... Great. Great. <laughs> no. <laughs> it talks about that enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, uh, it was yeah. a uh, show this week, and it'll be a great show next week. And I'm taking over the e- exits I'm... now. Uh, <laughs> and, do uh, I get to be I... one of the limousines who talks about how I'm going to be obsolete in the future? You uh, you get to be the okay, yeah. You get to be the American one. If I get to be the the snarky French one, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's only only fitting. Yes. Uh, and as always, everyone, thank you for listening. <laughs>